This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back to Faith FM Breakfast Show this morning. We are doing a What Book Am I quiz this morning, and we've had a winner. And our winner for the quiz this morning, his name is Caleb. Congratulations, Caleb. You are the winner. That prize, the CD, will be sent out for you. That CD was for such a time as this. And the answer was Galatians. In fact, the book uh, is Galatians. We'll send that prize out to you as soon as we can. Lyle, welcome back. Yeah, good to be here. And, of course, good to be getting involved with our Encounter with God Bible study today. 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying Daniel chapter 5 right now. Woohoo. Well, maybe not right now because it's kind of rude. Have we caught up to the rest of the 20 million? We have caught up. Yes. Yes, we have caught up. So we are on the ball today. Okay, so let me just grab this uh, Bible study and let's get into it. Why don't you go down to the last two verses of Daniel chapter 5 for us there. Please, Gemma, as she busily scrolls. You know, paper Bibles scrolling, are I'm faster, scrolling, scrolling. faster than. Uh, no, they're not. We have this are. argument every time whether or not a paper Bible or a digital Bible is better. But I'm going to tell you, I love my phone. I love using the Bible on I my phone. I know you love your phone, but paper Bibles are still faster. Ooh. Daniel chapter five. Yes. Where See? are we up to? Uh, the last couple of verses, which say, in that finish? night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain and Darius. See, I just started looking that up oh. after we started this conversation. I found it, though. I'm here. And look, I've got highlights here. I've got notes here. I wrote down what we talked about yesterday, numbered, numbered, way divided. I've made notes with my phone, and it's all right here, ready to go. Yeah, some people can... Back in the day. Oh, here we go. Back in the day. This is such a generational thing. People used to know there was these things called pens. Oh, oh! <laughs> and, You're just on fire today. And um, and there was this this invention that um, kind of started with Egyptians. It was called paper. It started with papyrus, and oh. then it became paper. Oh. There are people left in the world who still actually know how to use it. Dinosaurs. And if you hold this pen thing in your hand right and you move it in the right way, oh, I'm you done. can make words with paper. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm done. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I love stirring up <laughs> millennials. Are you a millennial or are you a... Um, I don't know. What year's the, what year's the I difference? I can't remember. I have to look it up. I don't know. I think, I think you might be a... I don't think I'm a... The one after I the... I think I'm... You're the one after the millennial. I think so. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm right on the year that the has the divide. Year. I think yeah. you are on the crossover year. So you're just scraping through. Anyway, okay. Where are we up to? Daniel chapter five. The Bible says that night Belshazzar was killed, and Darius the Mede took the kingdom, being about sixty-two years old. Good on him. Okay, so if you are Cyrus the Persian, you have conquered the Median Empire. You nice. come from this little tribe called Persian. If you go to Iran today, everyone's going to say, oh, I'm Persian. <laughs> Except for one region of Iran where they have some Arabs. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you, we're, we're, we're Arabian Persians. Hmm. We're not like the other Arabs. We're, we're, we're Persian. We're uh, sorry, Arabians from Iran. We're Iranians. Uh, but we're Arabs from Iran. We're not like the other Arabs. That They don't, they don't like to be associated for some reason when hmm. you have a conversation with them with the rest of Why? the Middle East. I'm not really quite sure. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. It's kind of like 
just nobody, a culture nobody, thing. Nobody they don't want to be... Yeah. Because the thing I noticed was nobody wants to be associated with Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, but we're not like Saudi Arabia. It's what you get everywhere. <laughs> it's like, okay. They've got a bad reputation. Because Saudi Arabia is allied to the US, I guess. Complicated. 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 But anyway, Persians are Persians. They're not even the same race. So they are, yeah, you know, definitely um, a different group of people, a very advanced people, and the most hospitable, pe- hospitable people on the planet. Wow. Oh, I'm Actually, yeah, the Middle East is known for being, like, super hospitable to, and, to and people. polite yeah. to the max. Yeah. Loved some of their sayings when I was there. You sit on the bus in, some, in front of somebody. Mm-hmm. Just like you get on the public transport, you sit down and there's someone sitting behind you. Yeah. And uh, you turn to them and say, pardon my back. What? Yes. Actually. Uh-huh. That's, wow. what, you, that's what you say. And, and the person behind you Does replies, that happen like commonly, like all the time? That's what you do. Oh. That's just the done thing. It's like impolite Can not Can you imagine to. if we did that over here? Oh, yeah. But then the reply is even better. Flowers are beautiful from every direction. Whoa! Wait, that's what? No Next way! Level politeness. Wow! <laughs> it's off the what? chart. What? It's just it. it that's really amazing. Is. And this yeah. happens just commonly. Commonly, I, I was reading the. Um, wow! Uh, Man, imagine if the rest of the world was like that. I was reading the transcript <laughs> of of a pilot who saw the rocket that shot down that airliner, and you know it was like, oh dear, effort air traffic controller. Hmm. Such and such has happened, you know. It's like we don't say "dear air traffic controller" in this country. We're not that polite. It's just, yeah, well, look out! <laughs> wow. Um, it's just uh, yeah. It's, it's quite it's quite remarkable. It's a it's a it's, a, it's an amazing country. Mm. But anyway, Cyrus. I'm getting sidetracked. So Cyrus comes from this little uh, tribe called Persia, and he is able to conquer the Median Empire. He is now the ruler of the Median Empire. He's formed this coalition government. Uh, the Medes are just completely dominant numerically yep, uh, and have a long history of being dominant politically. Mm-hmm. He's holding it together. He conquers the city of Babylon and he places this guy by the name of Darius in charge of Babylon who is a Mede. Huh. Why would you do that? That's weird. Why? Yeah, that makes no sense. Because, I mean, these, these in many ways are going to be your political rivals. They're, they're the kind of, it's like, wouldn't you be just sort of suppressing the Medes? And this tells you something about the character and the person of Cyrus and how radically different he was mm. from any other ancient ruler of that time. In that, you know, this is part of the Persian deal. The Persian deal was, you know, if you're nice to us, we will look after you. And not only will we look after you, we will give you positions of power and authority and we will give you positions of influence and we will keep our eye out for people who are well respected and we will place them in power. Mm. This was the Persian deal was a good deal. And Cyrus was a, just a unique character in bringing all of this about. In fact, if you um just you know reading in the Encyclopedia Britannica, um the sentiments of esteem or even awe in which Persians held him, were transmitted to the Greeks, and it was no accident that Xenophon chose Cyrus to be the model of a ruler for the lessons he wished to impart to his fellow Greeks. Ooh, that's some, so this, that's, is, this yeah. is a Greek historian, Xenophon here, 
this is a Greek historian. He's like, okay, where do we find where do we find the model ruler? Well, surely he has to be Greek, right? Surely he has to be you know, Alexander the Great or somebody like that. No, yeah, one of us. Yeah. No, no. Well, he's going to be a Persian. He's going to be the one who conquer, who we had to conquer to come to power. Hmm. Whose empire was the empire we had to conquer to come to power? He's like, yep, this is the model uh, emperor. Yeah, he's the man for the job. Yeah. Shirin Ibadi, uh, Nobel Prize acceptance speech in 2003, said, The emperor proclaimed at the pinnacle of power, this is Cyrus, two and a half thousand years ago that he would not reign over the people if they did not wish it. Whoa. He promised not to force any person to change his religion and faith and guaranteed freedom for all. The Charter of Cyrus the Great should be studied in the history of human rights. Kind of sounds too good to be true. But it is true. Many of the forefathers of the United States of America uh, sought inspiration from Cyrus the Great through works such as Cyropedia. Uh, which was the biography by Xenophon. Mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson, for example, had two personal copies of the book, which was a which was a mandatory read for statesmen. Oh wow! In fact, Cyrus the Great. I want you to think about this for a moment. Cyrus the Great is listed as one of the most one hundred most influential figures in history. Hmm. Now, do you think he's really up there? I okay, don't, I don't know enough about him. Look at this from a look at and, and see. This is this is this is. Um, we need to know so much more about this guy because this guy is a type. This guy is a symbol of Jesus Christ. Wow! So we should know some things about his life. I'd never heard of him until I became an Adventist, and somebody was like, "You wow. should look into the history of Daniel." I had not. I had no idea who he was until about a year ago. Wow! Wow! Okay, so Cyrus is just amazing, and we're going to uh, look more at, you know, we need to ask ourselves, you know, think about the most 100 influential people in history, your top 100. Uh, who are they going to be? You know, you're going to have people like Muhammad there and uh, Jesus Christ and other great religious leaders, political leaders as well. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, but Cyrus is, you know, he founds an empire. Mm. So from a historical, political perspective, we can say, yeah, that's pretty influential. Yeah. But Nebuchadnezzar and, you know, all of these other guys, they're not listed in the top 100, but Cyrus is. Even Darius the Great, who follows Cyrus. Not in the top 100? Cambyses is kind of in between, but he was a nut job. <laughs> uh, Cambyses is the second. Um not even, not even close, not even remotely close mm. to Cyrus the Great as far as influence goes. Think about this. Okay? Okay, I'm ready. Think about it from a secular perspective. Okay, I'm thinking. If Cyrus the Great never existed, how different would our history be today? Okay, so Cyrus the Great releases the Jews from captivity and they go back to Judea. Hmm. If Cyrus the Great had never existed, the Jewish religion would never have existed. If the Jewish religion would never have existed, Whoa. Jesus Christ would never have existed. Whoa. If Jesus Christ would never have existed, existed oh. Christianity would never have existed. If the, G- if the uh, Abrahamic religions had not been preserved because of what Cyrus the Great did by commanding the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, Islam would never have been existed. How much has this guy actually impacted our world? 
that's one thread that you pull and the whole thing falls apart. Now, we know, of course, that God is in control and that Jesus being born the Messiah would have taken place some way. Yeah. But you think about that and this guy suddenly is elevated to the top 100 just like that. Mm. Just one decision that he makes. We need to look at that decision. We need to look at it in detail in today's study uh, as we work our way through um, Cyrus as being a type of, or a symbol of Jesus Christ. But we need to uh, recognize a couple of things as in uh, um, review a couple of things that came from the very beginning of this study. And note that Cyrus was born of royal lineage. Hmm. Okay. His destiny and his identity at the time of his birth was exposed to the king by the Magi. Mm. That despotic king hunted him at his birth. I'm starting to see some parallels. That thing, that king thought he had killed Cyrus. <laughs> wow. Cyrus was raised in exile in a foreign land. Wow. He was raised by peasants. Really? He discovered his true identity when he was 12 years old. <laughs> this gets better and better. The Bible calls him 150 years before he was born. No, sorry, 150 years before the events that we're reading about here. The Bible called him the shepherd, oh. the Messiah, and the deliverer. Wow. Okay. Definitely some parallels. There's here. some parallels here, wow, isn't there? Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So let's go back to Isaiah. Sorry. Uh, yes. Isaiah chapter 44. And let's read this passage that was written so long before Cyrus came into power. Isaiah chapter 44. Uh, so long, not, not so long before he came into before he was born. You know, and you've got to ask yourself the question how many people are there in the Bible that fit into this category? that they were written about in detail before they were born. Mm. Okay, 44 verse 28, please, Gemma. Verse 28 Yes, says, When I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. All right, let's stop there for a moment. Wow. Imagine you're reading the Bible one day, mm. and it says... Uh, yeah, my servant Gemma, she's going to be on Faith FM Radio co-hosting with Lyle one day. <whistles> Would that send chills up and down your spine? A little bit, yep. Okay, so imagine you're Cyrus and Daniel brings you this and says, well, you know, there was this um, Hebrew prophet about 150 years ago who said this about you, that you would be a shepherd. Yikes. Uh, that you would command the rebuilding of the temple. You might go, that was a good guess. I'd be a little freaked out. Cyrus, a shepherd, he was raised by shepherds. What? Yes. What? He was raised by shepherds. Uh, and, and your name is there. You're named. Okay, but it gets better. Okay, let me read for you 45 verse 1. And I want you to picture Daniel chapter 5 and the events of Daniel chapter 5 as I read this. Because remember, in Daniel chapter 5, there was handwriting on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, Belshazzar wet himself. And the Persians got in because the gates were left open on the inner walls on either side of the river. Yep. Okay, so we remember all that, right? Yep. Okay, so you're Cyrus now and you're reading this. So you've read that first verse that we just read where you're named and you're picked out as being a shepherd. When does a shepherd ever become an emperor? Never. Okay. 
Thus says the Lord to his anointed. That's the word Messiah. So thus says the Lord to his Messiah, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved oh, gates. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so you're Cyrus oh. now. You had some chills running up and down your spine before. Now you're just, oh, wow, beyond words. Like okay. you would, I'm speechless. Like you would, oh, man. Why is, why is God speaking to Cyrus this way? What is God's purpose here? Let's keep reading. Uh, well, you keep reading for us. Verse 2 and... Verse 2, this is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. Okay, so Cyrus has been going around and conquering the world. And it's almost like somebody's going in front of him because all of these cities are like, yes, we'll accept the Persian deal. <laughs> he hasn't been fighting very much. In fact, he's not the world's greatest military strategist. He's not mm. bad. Mm. He's not bad at all. Uh, but Obviously, he's doing something right if all of these suddenly cities are like, yeah, okay. And, and, and God's like, yeah, I'm the one who went in front of you and, and, and sorted this all out. Oof. This is why you're taking over the world so easily. Because I went in front of you and sorted all that. I made the I made the path straight. I smoothed it all out for you. And you've got all of these nations that are like, yes, yes, we will become a part of the Persian Empire. Mm. Please pick us, pick me. <laughs> That's kind of what's happening right here. Anyway, it gets even better. Uh, verse four it says, "For Jacob, my servant's sake, and for Israel, my elect." So now you've got this micro nation that is being referenced, and God's saying, "Look, um, okay, you're Cyrus. You're a shepherd." Um, I'm the one who's brought you into power and I've given you all of this empire and I have uh, made sure that the city gates were left open for you and that Belshazzar was so scared he would wet himself. I've done all this, but I've done it for this little micronation called Judah. Hmm. Okay, continues on. Um, I have surnamed you, in verse 4, though you did not know me. Now, this is cool. God's like, yeah, I gave you your name. You never even knew me, but I named you. Wow. you imagine reading the Bible and it's like, yeah, this is Gemma, and she's going to do that, 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 that. And uh, by the way, Gemma, I gave you that name. You thought your parents did. I did. But it actually has like his name written before he was born, <laughs> before he was doing what he did. That's 50 years before these events. Wow. Okay. And here's the clincher. Verse 5. I am the Lord. There is no one else. There is no God beside me. I girded you, though you did not know me. God is introducing himself. He's saying, look, I'm God. Um, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no one else. So God comes along and says, yeah, I'm Yahweh. I'm, I'm, I'm God. Uh, and by the way, I know all of these things about you and I named you and I knew you'd be a shepherd and I knew how you would conquer the nations. And I've specifically written down it all down here for reason number one. My people, mm. the people, the Jews, because I want you to rebuild their temple. And for reason number two, so that you can know that there's actually no other God. Mm. I, I'm the only God that there is. Now, here's what's interesting about Cyrus. When you read the history of Cyrus, all of the ancient kings and emperors had their God. Yeah. They would honor all of the gods. 
but they had the one. But that they was had the one. Was their god? Yeah. So with 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 Nebuchadnezzar, it was Marduk. Yes. With Nabonidus, it was Sin. Mm-hmm. Um, read the history of Cyrus. Does he tell have me? A god? Tell me whose god he has. Ooh. It's not listed there. Certainly, he honors all the gods. Yeah, but he doesn't but have one that he one, identifies. There's only with. actually one statement from history that identifies um, a god. Yeah, yeah. Let's go in our Bibles to the Book of Ezra, um, because what happens is that Cyrus is actually shown this passage. I mean, if you're Daniel and you've got this passage, you've got this prophecy, you're not going to not show it to Cyrus, are you? Mm. You know, this is, you'd be sort of waiting for your moment. Anyway, this is I Am They with King of Love. The King of Love, my shepherd is Whose goodness faileth never I nothing lack if I am his And he is mine forever is mine forever With streams of living water flow My ransom soul he
shepherd, may I sing your praise within your house forever. Within your house forever. Listening to I Am They with King of Love. This is The Breakfast Show, and we're about to have another clue for our quiz before we get back into talking about Cyrus and Daniel Chapter 5. We don't have any more clues for the quiz. Somebody oh. already won it. Oh, it's done. It's done. What was the answer? Galatians. And who, was our, who was our lucky winner today? Caleb. Caleb, well done, Caleb. Congratulations. Thank you for calling in. There is a uh, CD coming your way for such a time. Yes. It's called. And I think we have something else coming up later in the show that is relevant to that theme as the well. The giveaway. And the question of the day. Yes. So stay tuned. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's get back to uh, what we're talking about with um, Cyrus. As being a type, a symbol of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. could, could you read for us Ezra chapter 1 and verse 2, please? Ezra chapter 1 verse 2 says, This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Okay. This is one of these other unique passages in the Bible. It is not Uh as unique as Daniel chapter 4, where you have an entire chapter, which is a personal testimony of a world emperor of somebody who was not of Hebrew descent. Mm-hmm. Here you've got two verses that come from somebody who was not of Hebrew descent, but it is from a world emperor. Yes. Okay, I want you to notice who it is here that he defines as being the God of the universe. The Lord. The God Absolutely. of Absolutely. Yahweh. Yeah. He's like, uh, read thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven. In other words, Yahweh. Yep. And he doesn't say here, you know, and we know from his other inscriptions that, you know, he... He, he kind of uh, um, liked to keep all of the gods happy, but he doesn't acknowledge any other gods here. And he certainly don't, never anywhere in any inscription does he acknowledge any other god of heaven. Mm. This is the only one that he acknowledges as a god of heaven. The god of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has charged me to build a house at Jerusalem in Judah. So he reads this prophecy and he recognizes, okay, Yahweh has said do this. Yahweh has prophesied my reign, therefore, let's do it. Um, and I've got verse 3, of course, Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. Wow. Yeah. So that's quite a powerful statement right there, uh, acknowledging God. And I don't know. I would like to think that one day we will meet Cyrus as well as Nebuchadnezzar. Hmm. And I think the two of them would actually have a very interesting conversation together. <laughs> I bet. I would want to hear that. <laughs> there wouldn't be that many people in heaven who have world emperorship in common. Wait, you reckon Nebuchadnezzar is going to be in heaven? Oh, absolutely. Well, Daniel chapter 4 is his personal testimony. It's his conversion story. Good point. Yeah, so you don't get to read it. You don't get to write a chapter of the Bible and, (laughs) you know, be an unsaved person, really. Um, And you don't get, you know, the the Bible was written by the gift of prophecy, and this is something that, you know, comes as a gift of the Holy Spirit. So Nebuchadnezzar was clearly, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit to write that chapter. So Hmm. Nebuchadnezzar, there's no question on Nebuchadnezzar being in heaven um, from a biblical perspective. Obviously, we're not God, but, you know, that's, that's what the Bible indicates. And Cyrus. He's a symbol of Jesus. You'd, you'd hope that he'd be in heaven. Yeah. Yep. Of course, um, you know, you've got other royalty who will be there, like David and Solomon, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is that they were never, you know, Solomon comes close to ruling over an empire, mm-hmm. 
David rules over a micro nation, mm-hmm. and he builds it into a nation, and then Solomon sort of, you know, creates the Israelite empire, so to speak. It wasn't that big of an empire. So these guys do have some things in common, but I can imagine them all sitting down and, you know, having an interesting conversation talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how terrible it was. You know, world politics back in the day. Aren't we thankful we don't have to be dealing with, <laughs> you know, this problem of state and that problem of state? Mm. Um, I tend to think Daniel will be right there in the middle of that conversation as well. Probably Joseph, uh, Grand Vizier of the Egyptian Empire. He would be another person who could uh, hold his own in that conversation. I think there's going to be some just... But yeah, they they would be the the only two like world leaders. Oh, yeah. Because any other world leader that I can think of... (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't think not. Alexander the Great, great qualify, qualifies. I am not God. I am not judge, and I pray that they're all there. But I think that um, they'll be a fairly small niche group in heaven. Mm. There. Anyway, we were talking about Cyrus. We were talking yes. about his command to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. Yeah, the temple. And yeah. the temple, specifically the temple that was in Jerusalem. And it's this act that really... Out of all of his other acts, even though he was a great man and did great things, and his character definitely displayed much of the character of God and Jesus Christ. Mm. The forgiveness that Cyrus extends to people is bizarre. You know, he forgives his grandfather who tried to execute him <laughs> and, and gives him a, a royal pension. Oof. Uh, when he conquers his grandfather, and he conquers his grandfather almost without a battle, you know, once again it's the it's it's, it's the Persian deal where um, you know the the Median general swaps over to the Persian side because the Median general had been deeply offended by the Median emperor um, as the ages, mm. and so he he defects across. Um, to the uh, to the Persian side, and this is just kind of like the story of Cyrus's life. Everything's just laid out in front of him. It's just like he's just walking along. And then, of course, you've got Croesus. You know the the saying, "Riches Croesus." He was fabulously wealthy. He is conquered by the Persians, and then made chief counselor in Cyrus's court. Becomes one of his most devoted um, servants and followers and cabinet members. Yeah. Wow. And then, of course, when Darius comes to power, who is a Mede, uh, probably, um, probably Cyrus's uncle, so this would be his mother's brother, mm-hmm. or one of his mother's brothers, places him in power, and this was something that the Persians, you know, they would just do. You know, we're not worried about the Medes. We've got a good deal going here with the Medes. We're a coalition government, so we'll place, you know, this guy in power, and he can rule the city of Babylon. I've got, you know, the rest of the Babylonian army that I've still got yet to take care of, plus a whole bunch of other nations to go and uh, and, and conquer. And so, Darius, you take the city of Babylon, and I've, I'll, I'll be on my way. That's kind of how things worked in those days. Uh, very mysterious guy, this Darius the Mede. Uh, very, very little about him in history. Uh, but he only ruled there for two years. And after he finishes that reign, then, of course, Cyrus rules from Babylon itself. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is where Cyrus and, and Daniel, of course, come in contact with each other. And you have the events that we're dealing with right here um, in, in Cyrus and Darius, you know, commanding the restoration of God's people back to the promised land. Okay, so a couple other things about Cyrus. Tell me, when Cyrus comes to deliver God's people, 
from which direction does he come, geographically? I am geographically challenged. Okay, so I'll help you out. <laughs> he comes from the east. Okay, cool. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 that when Jesus returns, as the lightning co comes from the east and goes to the west, even so will Jesus return. Oh! Ooh. oh. Okay. What? When Cyrus comes to the city of Babylon, how does he conquer the city of Babylon? What's his main strategy? He attacks the river and dries up the river. Mm. And then marches down the dry riverbed. Yep. Okay. Revelation chapter 16, when Jesus returns, seven last plagues right here, Revelation chapter 16. We go down there. The Bible says the sixth angel poured out his vial on the great river Euphrates and the water was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Oh. That's oh. the return of Jesus Christ. But what? But okay. It, but it fits then, with Cyrus too. Then what does all of chapter 18 about? What? The fall of Babylon. Babylon at the end of time. And, of course, we know that Babylon at the end of time is mixing truthhood and falsehood. The Bible says in chapter 17 that all the nations of the world are drunk with the wine of Babylon. Cyrus then, of course, delivers God's people and restores them to the promised land. Whoa. Jesus comes from the east, dries up the river Euphrates, conquers Babylon. Babylon is a mixture of truth and true and false worship. The leaders of the world have been drunk with the wine of Babylon and Jesus delivers God's people and restores them to their original home. The story of Cyrus and the conquest of Babylon is a type of the return of Jesus Christ. This is uh, Doris Johnson now with Am I a Soldier of the Cross? That's where our conquests need to be. You're listening to The Breakfast Show.
At Hamilton Adventist Church in Newcastle, we have a food pantry service for the community. Everyone is welcome to join us for a free dinner. Enjoy good company and have a great time. All you need is $10 to buy a numbered ticket and you can collect a trolley's load of food ranging from fruits, veggies, tin food, pasta bread and toiletries. Every Thursday, the food pantry starts at 4.45pm with a 5pm start for dinner. Find us at Hamilton Adventist Church at 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, every Thursday evening. All will be welcomed with love and a smile. We really hope to see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine Guys, that was This Little Light of Mine brought to you by JJ Heller. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We have the quiz answered for today, so we're not going to start another one right now because we've got a really big question of the day that's we come do. through. We do. Huge. I'm so glad this came through on the Ooh. day that you were here, Gemma. <laughs> Thank you. You're great. <laughs> Shall I tell you what it is? Yes. Okay. The question is, why do so many churches follow the world rather than the word and because of that, why now do we have so many women preachers and homosexual preachers? This is a very good question and a very Oof. valid question. Very Oof. valid question for woman preacher Gemma. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> okay. So um, we need to look for a biblical basis for what we're dealing with here. I don't have time to look at all of uh, what the Bible has to say about homosexuality. The Bible doesn't have a lot to say about it. It's mentioned... 
in a major way in about six places, but the Bible is very clear on it. Mm-hmm. And so the the question is not so much whether we have homosexual preachers or not. It really comes down to we need to be a little bit more defined than that. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between somebody who practices and promotes homosexuality versus somebody who has same-sex attraction. Yeah, absolutely. Same-sex attraction is not a sin. Mm-hmm. But practicing and promoting homosexuality according to the Bible is. Yeah. You've got to make the distinction between that very clearly. Otherwise, right. we get into heaps of trouble. Absolutely. And so I'm not going to, you know, there's nothing in the Bible and, and certainly not myself who's going to stop somebody from uh, preaching in church who has same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. Temptation is not sin. There are, you know, it's a very, very different thing. Um, you know, than sin. And we need to draw that distinction. And I think that in some of the conversations that we've had in recent times, you know, the Israel Folau, um would be an example, that distinction has not been made. Mm-hmm. And because it has not been made, it has created confusion in the minds, particularly of non-Christians, as to where we should draw the line. Yeah, like lots in, of trouble. Yeah. 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 yeah in, in who should hold church office and be involved in the public services of the church. Of course, every person is... Welcome to be a part of church because we're all broken in different ways. But the Bible outlines, okay, these are some areas where you need to draw the line as far as, you know, who actually um, stands up and preaches in church. Mm-hmm. When it comes to women, Ooh. let me read what the Bible says, shall I? Please. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 34, the Bible says, let your women keep silence in church. Whoops. End of story. Oops. Okay. And based on that passage here, and because a lot of people don't look at other passages of the Bible, you do have some churches, some conservative churches, where they do not allow women to speak inside the church building. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we need to compare that with the rest of Scripture. And what you're going to find is that within the Bible, sometimes you will find something that is an apparent contradiction. You should always look deeper. When there is an apparent contradiction, because either the contradiction doesn't exist on further investigation or context, there is a cultural context involved. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin by looking at the Jewish model in the time of Jesus. Yep. Then we're going to look at the New Testament Jewish church. And then we're going to look at the Greek church or the Hellenistic New Testament church and the cultural differences between them. Mm. So let's start with uh, the Jewish culture in the time of Jesus. Uh, was a very enlightened culture. Women could aspire to, you know, basically they could aspire to any position in society other than that of priestess. Yeah. Um, they could be a head of state. They could be a general. They could be a prophetess. They could be a businesswoman. They could own land. They could trade. Even peasant girls within the Jewish system knew how to read and write. Yeah. These things were unheard of, absolutely unheard of in the Hellenistic world of that time. Yeah, it's true. Women were second-class citizens. They couldn't even go to sports events. They stayed home, looked after the children, certainly couldn't read and write and be educated in, you know, literate mm. um, in, in those kind of ways at all. And so you've got a very big cultural difference between the two. That's the first thing to notice. The second thing to notice in within Jewish culture is that there were two levels when it came to places of worship. Yeah. We only have one, our church. True. So they had two levels. They had the synagogue, which was the equivalent of our church, but then they had a level that was higher and holier again. Mm-hmm. And that was the temple. We no longer have a temple because uh, we worship at the temple in heaven. Yeah. 
Uh, the temple in heaven has replaced the one that is on earth. And, you know, so the, the, the temple itself was what actually set the standard for what took place in the rest of Jewish culture, you know, synagogues and so forth, and, and, and the rest of what happened. Okay, so let's look at the biblical model. In the Bible, you have the story of a, wor- excuse me, a worship service that takes place in the temple. It is the dedication of Jesus. Mm. And at that event, you have a woman who participates in and speaks at that worship event under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And she is a prophetess. Her name is Anna. Mm -hmm. And so if a woman can speak in the temple services, then certainly she can speak, you know, in the church context. And that's what we find within the Jewish churches. You have, you know, the Bible talks about Philip's four daughters who preached. The word prophesied generally refers to preach. They were preachers. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the New Testament model. When you come to Corinthians, very different model. This is a Hellenistic culture where women are uneducated. They are illiterate. And Paul is calling for everything to be done decently and in order. And he's saying, look, if your women don't understand things, let them ask their husbands when they get home because church is becoming a bedlam. Mm. And so he's not placing a blanket, women can never speak in church. He's saying within this culture, your churches are getting out of control. Yeah, they just need so to the be women structure. Need to, and, women need yeah. to back off a little bit and let the worship service proceed in an orderly fashion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's nothing in the Bible that... Um, stops a woman from being a preacher in church because of the cultural context of what we're looking at. Anyway, the city harmonic, a city on a hill. You're listening to The Breakfast Show.
You're listening to the City Harmonic with A City on a Hill. We have come to the end of our show. We've had a number of questions in relationship to, well, question of the day, which was in relationship to, uh, I guess, the role of women mm-hmm. um, and women in the Bible. And we have a DVD, a CD album that we're giving away called... Book. A book. Yeah. With the same title, so it's okay while you're confused. The so quiz, there was a CD. Yeah. Yes, that's right. There that's was a CD. The, the called, album had the same title, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. So to give away for the free giveaway, because we've yes. already given away the CD, but mm-hmm. the free giveaway is the same title for such a time, and it is a book which is about women of the Bible, chosen women of the Bible. I find this a very fascinating subject, particularly in the culture of our day right now, when you know we've got feminism and so forth, which is uh, striving to you know create so many changes in the world and creating in many ways conflict. Mm. We need to get back to our Bibles, and we need to study these great women of the Bible. Amen. And we need to you know model ourselves after the biblical model rather than after the model of the world. That's it. So yeah, give us a call. You can pick up this book for such a time, written by Ed Dickerson, and it's about the chosen women of the Bible. There you go. Give us a call right now. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call to get your free copy. You've simply got to be the first caller through or the first person to message us, message us on 0491-064-669. Once again, 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number to call. And, of course, we love having you here on the show. We look forward to your company every morning on The Breakfast Show during the week. Um, and we would uh, be super glad for you to join us at least for some portion of The Breakfast Show. As you go through your day today, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus. Jesus.